0: So God's word for us today is this, like as we think about the body of Christ, and that's what we're here to talk about is the church as the body of Christ, and um, being the body of Christ and how it takes all of us working together to be the body of Christ, right? That's, that's what God is looking for, is his church to pull together to be his body. And his word today is this, that God created us for relationships, right? He created you for relationships, and we are connected together as one body, we are one, not lots of little pieces running around, but as one body, the body of Christ. And from the beginning, God said it's, it's not good for man to be alone, right? We remember that in, in Genesis. And so he makes God, uh, Adam a helper, and, and God creates Adam and Eve for a relationship. And then God creates family, so that in a family relationship, we have close-knit relationships with people that... That we love and people that we can share our lives with and our home with. And God created the community for relationships, right? And He created uh, the nations for relationships so that people would live together. And when the body of Christ comes together, we really should be a mighty power for God. Think about it. If the body of Christ, people who are in love with Jesus, all empowered by the Spirit of God, come together, the power. That is among God's people as the body of Christ is a mighty powerful weapon in the hands of God. That's that's huge, that's big. Right? And, and and God has put us on the earth as the body to fight against the darkness, the forces of evil in heavenly places and on the earth, that, that the church might be a mighty weapon for God to face evil forces in heavenly places, we should be, as the church, a mighty power. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts as we think about your word and what your word has to say about the church being an army, being a, a mighty weapon in your hands. And God, we, want, we pray that you would help us to come together as your people who love you, who understand where you have gifted us and that we contribute together as the body of Christ, and we go out into a world that's full of darkness and evil, and that we can represent you and be the light that you've called us to be, and that we could take back what has been taken from, from you. People, souls that have, been, that have been pulled away from the God of all creation, people that have been made in your image, Father, that have been lured away by the ways of this world, by the paths of, of the, the materialistic world that we live in. We pray, God, that you'll use us, that you'll help us to see where we fit into this body. We pray that you would be glorified in all that we do and all that we say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there's a couple passages of Scripture that I want us to look at as we think about the idea of the body of Christ. Okay, Go, So in your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to look at two passages and then draw a few conclusions from those passages that I hope will help us understand what it means to be the body of Christ, and to be a mighty weapon in the hands of God. So in Corinthians, Paul's talking to the, the Corinthian church. He's talking about, in chapter 12, he's talking about spiritual gifts, right? If you're, you're in your Bibles and you got to see verses uh, 1 to 3 there, you see what Paul's talking about. He's talking about gifts of the Spirit, all right? And, and not wanting us to not understand what God expects or what God is doing or how God is working in his church, in his body. That's what Paul is trying to help them understand and us understand as well. Verse 4, he says this There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Okay? See how, what he says right there in those first uh, few verses there, verses 4 to 6? And then he's saying that we, be, we belong to the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit has given gifts to all of, all of us, to everyone in the body. The Holy Spirit is, is bringing into your life with his presence a gift. You have a spiritual gift. There's something in you that other people cannot do. There's gifts that God has given to the people who belong to him, his children, that we are to be walking in and living in. Verse 7, look what he says. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given the spirit a uh, message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. He says there's, there, is, there is one spirit and that one spirit gives out to God's people these different gifts, okay? And that's why we asked you to take the spiritual inventory. That's what that's all about, the assessment. If you've never done that, a couple of you took it the other day. You took it home with you. I'd still like to get with you. But that's what that's all about. This isn't us making up things for you to do. This is, this is us trying to help you discover what your spiritual gift is according to the scriptures, Paul lays them out here in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. He, he's going to talk about them in Romans 12, and we see them in Ephesians. There's different places where the Bible talks about these different spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit brings into God's people. And if you don't know what yours is, how can you function in the body? You can't. So the first step is discovering what is my giftedness? What, where has God bless me? What is the Holy Spirit doing through me, and then how can I be a part of the body and use that gift to grow the kingdom? We have to do that. You have to do that, okay? So if you haven't, do it. Do it. But these are the different gifts that he talks about here in, this, in these few verses. He talks about by this Spirit, there's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's faith, there's healing, there's miraculous powers, there's prophecy, there's distinguishing of spirits, there's tongues and interpreting of tongues. And then in verse 11, look what he says. He says, all are the work of one Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't made up of little pieces running around in all of us. There's one Holy Spirit, and he lives in all of us. He is one. There's one Spirit. And all of us are filled with the one Spirit. And it says there in verse 11, if you're looking at it, it says, As He, as the Holy Spirit determines, He decides what gift you get. We don't decide. Right? We don't decide. It's a discovery for us. It's a trying to figure out what is God... You know, when I accepted Jesus as Lord of my life, and He came in, I was born again in Christ. He came in, and with... With him, he brought a gift, and it's up to me to figure out, okay, what is God doing in me that he wants to use me in his work? So I have to discover that. I have to ask questions. I've got to figure out where I'm strong, where I'm weak, what others see about my giftedness, where God is using me in the past, knowing that he's, he can use me in the future. And, and so that's part of this process of discovering your gifts. It's so important that you discover your gifts. I hope that you have. I know that in this room, some have already, they already know that, that you, what your strengths are, what your giftedness is. But I, I am almost sure that there's some people in this room saying, I, I have no clue. And you've been in the church a long time. And you still could sit here and in your own heart say, I really don't know my gift. I don't know. And, and for you, you need to discover it. It doesn't matter how long you've been here. Verse 12, look what he says. Just as there's like this human body that's made up of many parts, it's still one body, right? Cut your hand off. No, don't do that. You know, if your finger came off and it's laying over there, it's not going to be much good to the body, is it? Right? It's not. It's not. Poke out your eye, lose a finger, lose something, and you'll realize that your body is going to suffer because you don't have that part functioning. Even your baby toe, right? Like you lose your baby toe and it's like you start walking weird, right? You start falling over to the right, right? If it affects your whole body and and then the pain, not not just that, but the pain involved and then the pain that affects your whole body. So there's so much that every part does to help the body move forward, right? That if all the parts aren't doing their part, it's not going to work right, right? We're going to be handicapped in some way. But he says, just like there's many parts in the body, there's one still one body. And he says, we're all baptized. Look what he says there in verses 12 to 14. We're all baptized by one spirit. All right? We gave our life to Christ. We were immersed into Jesus. We went into that watery grave, and we confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the Holy Spirit fills us and renews us, and we're born again in Christ. And, and what came into you was that one spirit, that Holy Spirit of God that is now in you. We're all baptized, he says, in one spirit. And that spirit makes us one body. That's what Paul says here in verses 12 to 14. Our, and we're all one, right? doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you're a slave or free. Look what he says. We are all one, and we have been given one spirit to drink. One spirit. One spirit that lives in all of us, that unites us all. So the work of the church is the work of the spirit. When we're walking in in the work of the Spirit and in the truth of the Spirit and of the Word of God, we are walking in Christ. We are His body. Verse 14, look what he says. The body is not made up, um, it's made up of uh, many parts, but it's still one body. Although we all make up, all the parts make up the body. Verse 15 to 21, he says, the parts are equal. Right, all of the parts that make up this body are equal. Look, he says, I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. See, we're all equal parts, even though we're different parts. We're equal parts, and all the parts are needed. Look at verse twenty-four, where Paul goes on to say, while our present or when our, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, he says, but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Could you imagine, could you just imagine a church that functioned the way that the scriptures say it should? Could you imagine that what the church would be like yeah. if 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 everybody in the church understood where God had gifted them and were moving out in their giftedness together as the body of Christ? Could you imagine us all like like you know like a transformer all of us just walking out into the world even though we all go out in separate places spiritually speaking though we're all like connected in one moving out into the world? I mean, what a powerful church that would be. All the parts understanding their individual part and how they fit into the collective body. That's an amazing body. It says, God put it together, right? That's who put this together. God puts it together. And he says there should be equal concern for each other. And he says we should suffer together and we should rejoice together. That's the unity that we should have in the Spirit of God, right? So when we operate in connection with the Spirit of God in, under his authority and leadership, we are, the church is, the body of Jesus becomes a mighty weapon in the world. A mighty weapon. When we're walking in Jesus together, right? Right? And not by might, right? nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, right? Second passage in Romans chapter 12. Go to Romans 12 with me if you would. Or I'm sorry, Romans, yeah, Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Paul talks to the the church in Rome about the same kind of ideas that he did in Corinth. And he says some things here that that are going to be helpful for us to understand that we are a weapon in the hands of God in the world, that, that the church and that God wants to use the whole body as a weapon. Like Don not said, I use my whole body as a weapon. Right? Scared as that might seem, he did. So in Romans 12, Paul's sharing with the Christians there in Rome. And in verse 3, he says, For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, What he says here, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. right, so we're saved by grace, not by anything you have done. We We are sinners in need of a Savior. And only by the grace of God are we saved. Right? Only in Christ. And that's what he says. So don't ever think more highly of yourself than you ought. Right? No No matter what the circumstance, I, at every moment, need the grace of God. At every moment of my life. Right? He's still working on me, perfecting me, using me, bringing glory to himself through me. But I am a work in progress. And he says, Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. Understand where you were, where you are, and who you need. The only one that, that gets me anywhere is Jesus. Right? I'm not going to get there on my own. There's nothing I can do other than accept him and grab onto him. And it's by his righteousness that I'm saved. Not my own. Not my own at all. And so he says there, and he goes on to say in verse 4 to 8, look what he says, for just as each of us has one body with many members similar talk that he used in Corinthians and these members do not all have the same function, right? So we're not all doing the same thing. So in Christ, we though many, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. That's a picture for you, right? Each member belongs to all the others. And we see that actually lived out in the church in acts, right? We see these people all together like Nothing is their own. It it all belongs to them. It's like this one unified sense of what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine, and we're all in this together. And God wants to use everything that we have and everything that we are and in every way that he's gifted us for his glory. That's what we're all about. It's for the glory of God, right? That's what it's about. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying nothing is ours. It's all God's. We belong to each other. Verse 6, we have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us, and then he gives some gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your, with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encourage. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so Paul says we are one body. And again, one body, many members, different functions, all of us. Do you know your function? I mean, we can't, the the church will never function, the church will never be the body of Christ if the members of the body don't understand their function. It's so important that we get that. We understand where is God wanting to use me? In verse 5, he says, each member belongs to all the others. And that's a oneness that the world does not know anything about. I mean, right, because you're not in it alone. You're never alone. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. You're part of a bigger group of people who love one another and should be there to give for one another and to help each other no matter what, Amen. right? That's what it means to, be, to belong to each other. Now, we don't live that way very well, right? Because we live in a world that's so segregated. We live in a world that says, this is mine. I earned it. Get out of my space, right? So we live in a world like that. It's just like, you know, keep everybody at an arm's distance. You know, what's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. Don't mess with my stuff. That's kind of the attitude of the world. That's not the attitude of the church, though. Each member, Paul says, belongs to all the other. Paul gives these spiritual gifts in verse 6, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, mercy. Some of them are different than in the other passage, and so we bring the two passages together, and we realize that there's a bunch of gifts that God gives his people in the church for the benefit of each other, and that's what we... That's what the spiritual inventory is about, trying to discover which of those are in you. I mean, how awesome is that, right? I mean, once you know what your gift is, think about that. Once you understand what your giftedness is, that what the Holy Spirit is doing in you, you're like, that's like, you just hit the starting gate. You, you haven't even begun to live for God until you discover that. Because once you discover that, you are released into the world with a confidence that the Holy Spirit is working in you to do something specific and amazing and powerful. Yeah. And when you understand what that is, you can just go because it's God in you. It's not you trying to just do it. It's God in you working. Yeah. Right? And you realize that this is the Holy Spirit's work through me. I'm just the physical vessel that he's using to do this work. It's not for my benefit, it's for the benefit of the kingdom. It's for the benefit of those around me. In verse 15, Paul says this, this togetherness. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And that's what the body of Christ does, right? That's what we should do. We should know each other enough. We should spend time enough together to be able to understand when things are going well for our brothers and sisters and rejoice with them. And also understand and know when things are not well. And we can pray with each other. Right? And and call on God to work in a mighty way in that person's life. We need that. I need that. You need that. We all need that. See, we are the body of Jesus. And when we work, and when we serve, and when we pray, and when we reach out together, together in unity, the whole body becomes a mighty weapon, a mighty weapon. I and mean, we become a weapon in the hands of God among a world of darkness. That's what God wants to use, right? That's what we want to be a part of. that. what you want to be a part of? I do. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Like, I want to be a part of something amazing that God is doing in the world. So to what end? Well, to what end are we a weapon? All right, that's a good question. Why, why is the body of Christ even a weapon? Why does there need to be a weapon? To what end is this weapon useful for? What's the purpose of the body of Christ as a weapon in the world? And what's the point of the unity of the spirit? Where, what, what is God doing in us? Well, obviously, it's to bring us together so we can move together toward eternal life, right? I mean, all of us would say, well, we're part of the body of Christ because Jesus lives in me, and I'm looking forward to heaven. Okay, that's beautiful. That's true, Right? That's where we're going to go. One day we're going to be, I'm pointing to the sound, the sound booth up there. Okay, one day we're going to be in the booth. But, but for now, we're on the earth. And so we're a mighty weapon of God right now, right here, on this world that has been taken over by the enemy. Hostile territory. We are like, we are like missionaries for God. We, this world is not our home, and we're on this planet to be missionaries for God in a world of darkness. And so God has some work for us to do, Right? Okay, so to what end are we, the body of Christ, moving under the spirit of Christ to be a weapon for Christ? Let me give you three, three reasons that we are. Number one is this, to do battle against the powers of darkness. That's why we're a weapon for God, is to do battle against the powers of darkness. In, a, in the heavenly realms, right? We're, remember, we talked a couple weeks about that. We're in a battle. The next week, we talked about get back up because when you're in a battle, when you're in a fight, you're going to get knocked down, right? It's okay. Get back up, right? We get back up. And today, we're in a battle for of darkness. We're in a battle against the darkness. We are the light of the world, and we're in a battle to darkness. Jesus said to his disciples, remember, who do the people say that I am? Remember that? And uh, the disciples said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say uh, uh, Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets. In other words, we really don't know, but people are saying different things about you, Jesus. And he said, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and he says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Remember that? Matthew chapter 16 is where we're at. So in Matthew 16, here's what Jesus says when he replies to what Peter just said. He said, blessed are you, Simon. Son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but it was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Okay, so how did Peter come to an understanding of who Jesus was? The Father helped Peter understand who Jesus was. It was revealed to him by the Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, and I tell you, Jesus says, that you are Peter. And on this rock, the rock of the truth, that Jesus is the Son of God, on this rock, Jesus says, I will build my, what? Church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You know why I won't overcome it? Because we, as the church, are a weapon of God in the world and darkness can't overcome what god is doing through his people not a force on in heaven or in hell or in the universe will ever overtake the work of god ever right? Because we are a weapon of God. He, Jesus says, the rock. He says, on this rock, right? And the rock is the testimony that Jesus is the Christ. And so the rock is Jesus, right? And when you stand on the rock of Jesus, there isn't anything that will ever shake you. No. Nothing can knock you off the rock. Nothing can like, take the legs out from under the rock. Nothing can shake the rock. That rock is immovable. In all eternity, it is immovable. And when you're on the rock, you will never be shaken. When you stay right there on that rock, and Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. And so the whole body of Christ being built up on the, on the rock, on Jesus, not on religion, not on other things, but on who Jesus is, the very person of Jesus. You love Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. You're following Jesus. We are building our lives on a rock, right? And that rock cannot be shaken. And not even the gates of hell can overtake it. Why? Because that church, those people building their lives on Jesus, building their lives on that rock, can never be overtaken because they are a mighty weapon for God. They are a mighty weapon for God, right? And not even the gates of hell will overtake it. The church is in a battle against darkness. We live in hostile territory, and we are the light of God against evil and against darkness. And as the body, we are this powerful weapon for Christ, right? We are a powerful weapon in the hands of God to engage in spiritual battle. Secondly, secondly, why, why are we a weapon in this world? Why is the church a weapon for God? Because, because we are a refuge. Our purpose is a refuge, That's what we are for people. We are in the middle of a dark world, and and the church is a refuge for people to come in and find shelter away from the darkness of the world, right? For lost souls to find healing, for lost souls to find salvation, to find hope and to find purpose. That's what the church in, in the earth is. It's not only combating the darkness, but it's also a place where people can come together and find healing and hope, right? How how cool it is that we all, every one of us, go out into the world and we are like a, a window. We are like another opportunity out there for people to find their way into this place of refuge, to this place where they can find Christ and they can find healing and they can find hope. I wish we would just really, you know, if we understood the intensity of what that should look like as we leave here, uh, it would just blow us away. How how important it is for us, for us to go out into the world and tell people about Christ, right? A lot of times we we think, you know, if if we were dying, like if we were dying, like what would we do with our final days, right? If you knew you were going to die and, You know, on Wednesday, what would you do with the next three days or two days? I mean, we always think about it from that angle. We'd, you know, maybe go skydiving, you know, you know, do all those things, right? We think we might go do these bungee things and these crazy things, but really, what we would probably do was come to grips with the fact that we're going to leave, and there's people we need to talk to, right? There's people in our lives that need the Lord. But let's flip this a little more. What if you knew they were dying? What if you knew that they were dying and they were going to go to hell? Would you care enough to say something? Like, would we do anything? See, we're, we're supposed to be this safe harbor, this, this, this lighthouse in the midst of the storm. That's what we're supposed to be. Proverbs 18, look what it says. It says, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. See, a hurting world out there is searching for healing and they're searching for acceptance and they're searching for love and they're searching for truth and they're searching for purpose and they're looking for it in everywhere but God. And they're coming up empty because all other paths lead to nowhere. Right? The enemy has just created confusion for the world. We talked about this in our class this morning. You know, if you were the devil you were the devil and you knew there was one path, the best way to trick people is create many, right? Just create all kinds of confusion, create all kinds of paths to different things, to money and popularity and prosperity and materialism. Just get people walking down the wrong paths. right? Give them options. Isn't Isn't that what you would do if you're the devil? Maybe some of you can't think like that, but I can. If I were the devil, I would do everything I can to lead people astray because that's what he's trying to do, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's up to. And and as young people and as adults, we need to realize that and realize that the only path is the path that Jesus is standing at the end of. And so we walk through him. And as we do that, we understand that this world is a messy place. Like, right, we're not in a very pretty garden of Eden trying to prune and, and, and trip away at the, the flowers. We are in a dark world that's been overcome by the evil one, and what we do out there on the front lines is going to be messy. And we need to want that. We need to welcome that. We need to go there. We need to be there. We are more like a mass unit than we are a museum, right? We're like the mass unit that sets itself up on the front lines, And we're there to help people find Jesus, find healing, find salvation. And that's where we should be. The church should be out in the middle of the battle zone, not safely behind a wall somewhere. All right, that's where we should be. All right. Pauline Phillips said the church is a hospital for saints or or for sinners, not a museum for saints. The church is a hospital for sinners. Just like me. Not a museum for saints. Self-righteous. Who think they don't need anything, but they got it all together. Third thing is this. Third thing is this. First... We are a weapon, the church is a weapon, we use the whole, God wants to use the whole body as a weapon because we, we are in the midst of darkness. The second thing is, we are a weapon in the hands of God because we are a refuge, and in the midst of the battle, there needs to be a place where people can come and find healing and find hope and find love, right? And the third thing is this, the body is a weapon in the hand of God to shine his glory, That's what we're here for. We're here to shine the glory of God in the world. We are that city on a hill, right? That shouldn't be hidden. We can't be hidden. We are like if we all leave here and we're all like excited about what God has done for us. Like that I was lost and now I'm found because of the grace of God. And if I leave here with that on my mind that others are lost and they haven't found him yet, we're going to shine. We're going to just reveal the glory of God by our our excitement of what he's done for me and what he can do for you. We are a city on a hill that can't be hidden. There's no way you can keep it down unless you do it on purpose. Like unless you keep your mouth closed. We're here to shine for the world to find hope, right? We are that lighthouse. Jesus said, when he came, he said, he said, I am the light of the world. Remember that? healed the blind man. He said, I'm the light of the world. I come into the darkness. Read that passage this morning. And he is light in the midst of darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said to those following him, you are the light of the world. And so we understand that the body of Christ is The light of the world. And outside that light is only darkness. There is no light outside of the light of Jesus. Everything else is deceit and lies and evil and wickedness and darkness. So the church is the light shining the glory of God. That's what we are. In Romans chapter 15, if you would go there, last passage. Romans 15, a couple pages over. Paul's talking again to the Romans he says, we who are strong, in verse 1, ought to bear the, the, with the fail, failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. We should not please uh, our neighbors for, our, for their good, or we should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past, get this, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide we might have hope so we learn from the scriptures of what god did through his people and how god used his people to preserve them and to encourage them that they would endure and have hope and then he goes on to say in verse 5 may the god who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind Toward each other that Christ Jesus had. All right, so the same mind, Flipping talks about the same mind that was in Jesus ought to be in us. The same attitude. Why did Jesus come? What did He come for? Why did He come to this earth at all? That same mind should be in us. All right? And Jesus is the glory of God. All right? He came, He came in the midst of our darkness to bring light. To your heart. And that at one time I was completely dark. Lost in my own selfish sin. And the seed of God that came from heaven. Planted itself in me. And that light began to glow. The glory. And and eventually it, it won out in me. Just like it did in you. And now we are this seed of light that God wants to use in a world of darkness so that we can, like, penetrate it and it can begin to glow. And we we are the glory of God to a dark world. And if we're not doing that, we're not doing what God called us to. We are not being the weapon that, that God has called us to be in the world. We are the glory of God. So look what he says. He goes on to say, the same mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, verse 6, so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says. One mind, one mind, that's the mind of Christ. All of our minds should be on the mind of Christ. Not your mind, not my mind, but on the mind of Christ. What he says, what he thinks, what he teaches, what he does, what God is all about. That's our mind. And then he says, one mind, right, and one voice. So we proclaim the message of Christ, the gospel, the good news to a dead world. And in that, we glorify God, the Father, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And That's the only way we bring him glory, is by being by having his mind and being one-minded with him and being of one voice with him, we bring glory to him. The church is a weapon to engage the darkness, right? To engage the darkness, to be a shelter in the midst of the storm for people who are weary and dying. And we are to be the light of Jesus, to shine the glory of God to a world. That's what we are. The church using my whole body as a weapon, Don Knox said. And that's what God wants to do, use the whole body as a weapon, right? We are are the glory, the glory of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, we need you in our lives to sense the the intensity and the passion that you have, Lord, for us. That that desire and that love and that passion that, that caused Jesus to leave heaven and come to this earth to rescue us should be living in us, God. We want to feel that same passion that you had for me, that you had for us. God, help us to have that same intensity for the lost. That we truly would be a church who not only cries out to you, but brings as many people to you as we can. Because even though they don't know they're in the darkness, they are. And the truth The truth is, you are the only light of the world. Father, we want to help people, our friends, our neighbors, come into the light, come into your glory, come in and see you and find you, and then bring more people, be used by you to do it again and again and again. God, we love you so much. Thank you for allowing us to to know you, allowing us to read your word. Father, convict our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name.